0: want to go back to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. Amen. I do have uh, something if you'd be, be praying about, it and I'll just prepare you for it. We're still uh, planning, uh, my wife and I, to make a trip to Africa in December for the what they call a Christmas crusade over there. So please pray about that. I mean, there's a lot that's got to be done. We're still trying to get so, so much done and organized uh, with life, with our home, with everything. Of course, uh, here with the church, and um, but I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that by December we'll kind of have our feet on the ground a little bit better, and and it's uh, about the first week I think in December, maybe the last couple of days of November, first week of December, that we'll uh, that we'll go there. Um, so, and then I, I have another um, I have another family that that uh, is really considering coming here, and I, I need I've got to make a decision about. Um, Maybe maybe trying to work out something so they can get here to see the place a little bit sooner, so just pray that I have some wisdom about some of the things i 'm trying to really the Lord's kind of uh, doing something in my heart about trying to uh, work this out uh, but there it's a it's a family that wants to come and and uh, you know they they had this terrible statement, kind of like the Rogers, you know they said, you know we just want to come and work I'm like okay, you know i mean that's uh if that 's what you want to do, praise God. <laughs> Uh, so, but that's, um, I really want, uh, want to try to maybe help them, uh, make that move if it's possible. So, uh, Romans, uh, chapter one, Romans chapter one, that's where we are tonight. And of course we got through all of verse four last time. And, and I was talking to you about that, you know, if you really go verse by verse and we're going to try a little by little, uh, to, to do that, but it's going to take a long time to go through the book of Romans, but, uh. But I was, I was told last week, Brother Phillips, you, I think you said that one fellow taught the book of Romans verse by verse, and he, it took him 15 years? 15 years. 15 That ain't happening. Okay. All right. So don't even worry about that one. We're not going to do that. But uh, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse, verse 5, it's where we, where we left off, and uh, I just want to get turned to it here in my Bible also uh, real quickly. Hold on just a second here. Romans chapter 1, and we, we left off, of course, in verse 4. Verse 4 says, And declare to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And we were talking, talking about that and the importance of the resurrection. And the resurrection is so vital and something we have to emphasize when we're, when we're witnessing when and, and, and telling people about Christ. We, the resurrection must be part of it. The fact that Jesus died, yes, that was necessary. The fact that he shed his blood. That was very necessary, but nothing is any good uh, out of all of that if he doesn't arise. And so the fact that he arose from the grave is so so important. But um, this letter, though, I'm going to be a little bit of foundation here that we didn't do last week. This letter differs from most of Paul's letters in that uh, he had not been to Rome yet. And so uh, this is not like he went and started this church and now he's writing back to them. And that's why it's such a doctrinal book. It, it's uh, a book of the Bible. He's, he's really uh, basically, he's, he's just given the, the foundation of everything to this church to make sure that they're thinking straight, to make sure that what they've begun is, uh, is, is continuing the right way. And so this letter was his opportunity to expound the gospel, to make sure they clearly uh, they had a fellow when I drove up today about 530, there was a, a man standing at the door and and, uh, and, and, and he was just looking for a ride home and, and, uh, or, you know, uh, he's, I guess he had been visited here some years ago, maybe 10 years ago, and he knew somebody or, or, you know, he had met someone here. But anyway, I, I talked to him for a little bit and a witness to him. And, and uh, you know, when, I, when I asked him, do you, you know for sure if you die, you go to heaven? Are you 100% sure, that type of thing? He, he looked at me and said, oh, he said, oh, yeah, I know. I know 100% sure I'm going to heaven. I've been baptized. And so the moment I went into that, I went to start to teach on this thing about baptism and that it's a work, you know. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And, and you say, was baptism considered a work? Well, unless you're a church of Christ, yes, it's considered a work uh, because Jesus said when he got baptized, he said, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He said it was a righteous act. And so... Uh, uh, so the fact is, is, you know, we went through all of that, and, and what I was doing was I was expounding the gospel to make sure. Now, the truth is, as we work back through this, he's one of those that, you know, he, I believe from his testimony, from the things he said, he trusted Christ, and now he's just kind of gotten this the, the serving God, living for God, uh, a little bit confused, but I expounded the gospel to him. He, he could discuss, uh, Paul here uh, was using this book to discuss the essence of sin, uh, salvation accomplished on the cross, the union of the, of the believer with Christ, how the spirit works in the Christian to promote holiness. The place of the Jewish people in God's plan—that's going to be in the Book of Romans as we will study it. Future things uh, is in the Book of Romans, uh, and but most importantly, you go through uh, chapters eleven and chapter twelve uh, through sixteen. You're going to see uh, really so much about Christian living, how to live as a Christian, and it's it's so clear there. And, it, and you know that Paul didn't write it. You know he he didn't have the term systematic theology when he wrote it, but. Really, it, Romans is the basis for systematic theology, the basis for that concept, and so uh, now, so we're just going to pick up in verse. Uh, and, and, oh, I was going to do this and just show you this. It's really not that important, but but I thought I'd do it anyway. Um, uh, it's going to be a little bit a little bit hard to see, but in the red lines, if you see over here, way up to the right, uh, right in Antioch, Syria, uh, Paul is going to write this book to Romans on his third missionary journey. And so he's taken off from Antioch and he's, gonna, he's going to uh, head across Asia. And of course you see that, the, the red line going, it's going across Asia, goes to Ephesus. Then he's going to go uh, up north, you know, he's going to go all the way to Philippi in the purple little light shade there. I guess that's purple, i kind of colorblind, but go to uh, Philippi and then come back down all the way. You see Achaia and then you see Corinth kind of a loop there down low at Greece and Corinth, a little loop there. Well, when he gets to Corinth and this travel to his third missionary journey, that's where he's going to write this book. That's where most people believe that he's going to be there for a while. He's going to write this book to Rome, uh, to the Roman Christians. And, uh, And so that's where he pins it about 57, some say 57, some say 58 AD. And so... Uh, that's not really long after the death of Christ, because is you know for a long, long time when I was a kid, you'd know, hear A.D. after death, you know, before Christ, after death. But that means you've got a 33-year period there of a gap, and that's not what A.D. means. Uh, anno domini, I think, is what it is. Is uh, is the, the Latin, and it it, it simply means uh, at the the birth of Christ, it, from Christ on, and so. Uh, at the, that's where it it took place. And so uh, in 57, 58 AD, and it's, it really, it's not all that important, and I'll leave it up there, but, but it just kind of gives you a perspective of he's traveling, make this incredible journey, going to these churches, but now in Corinth, he's going to write to a place he's never been, and to a people that, but he knows that there's a church there, which that also amazes me how they communicated and all those things went on. But anyway, so in verse five, it says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, by whom we have received grace. By Jesus Christ, we have received grace. And this is what he's, he's wanting to make sure that the people understand. The, this, this change of life this, this that has taken place in you, this salvation, this is by grace through Jesus Christ. Salvation by grace, with salvation, there's an expectation, though, of service. And, and that's what I had to try to explain to this man, If you, this man. You're connecting your service with your salvation. But with salvation, though, there is an expectation of service. So that's sort of what he's saying, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now, notice what he says, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Now, it's, why are we doing this? We're doing it for Jesus. We're doing this for Jesus. And by whom we have received grace. He said, I'm going to emphasize this. This grace that we have, this salvation that we have by grace, this comes only through Jesus Christ. He says, but for obedience to the faith. He said, now we must obey the faith he's teaching them saying make sure you obey the faith the salvation you, know, you understood salvation was by grace through faith and that you're obedient to that faith but he also is what he's saying is that that faith ought to have feet okay that faith ought to work and so in paul's case he, what he says is that he was an apostle it, it, it was for him as apostleship for me it's being pastor of a church for For you, it may be a bus route or a Sunday school or a teaching a school or or a painter brother Wayne and uh, uh you know whatever we do is done for Christ and is done through the grace of Christ and so Whatever we're doing, everything's done. We, we, you know, we think, well, he's in secular work and he's in Christian work. The truth is, I, I, you know, when I'm saying ter- terminology, one is full-time where that's all you do, but everything that we do is for Christ and is only accomplished through the grace of Christ. So, and again, this grace is given for obedience to the faith so that others all over the world will come to obedience to the faith. Faith in salvation and faith in service, clearly not for our glory, and this is the emphasis here, clearly it's not for our glory or our purpose or our gain, but for his name. And that's what this, uh, it's a lot, you know, most of the the commentaries, everything else, you look through these first few verses about through verse 12, and it's really, you know, it's kind of like introduction. And I'll be honest with you, there's so much in introduction, you know what I mean? There's so much in, in this, it's amazing. But verse 6, it just says, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? He's talking to those saved, and in, and in the faith at Rome, they are among the world, but not of the world. He said, "Now I've come, you know, here to this world, and you're all of Rome, and he said, you're part of those people in Rome, but, but you're the saved, you're the ones that I'm talking to now. They're among the world but not of the world. It's like uh, if, if he wrote a letter here to Calvary and he said, uh, sa- saying that we're called a specific group of Christians among the city of Memphis or among uh, the state of Tennessee or even the nation. Not everybody in Memphis is, is saved, amen? And so he's saying now you're among them but you're not of them because you're called out of them. In verse seven it says, to all that be in Rome, Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this just looks like a greeting, but there's so much in a greeting. There's so much in what he says here. Paul greets all these Christians of Rome and encourages them that they are loved by God. Does that not do anything for you? Did you understand? If he wrote to us, it's amazing. He writes to us. You know what he's saying? What I'm trying to say tonight. You know what, Randy? God loves you. Even if you are ugly, he loves you. All right? He loves you. Do you know what? Paul didn't put any conditions in there because love of God is not conditional. It's unconditional. And it's just amazing. To all all, not some, all that be in Rome. Now, he's talking all Christians that be in Rome who are part of the grace of Christ, be in Rome, beloved of God. Called to be saints. Now, what we have here, nothing will encourage a young Christian or any Christian more than, than to know that God loves them unconditionally. No matter how far we fall, he still loves us. Now understand that love doesn't always agree with what we're doing, but the love never changes, the love never fails. I mean, if it did, you, you know, my daddy would not love me right now for the things that I did in my life growing up. Amen. I still remember he gave us BB guns told us right there on the front porch on Christmas night, don't shoot them at each other. I shot my brother right there. (laughs) Stuck up in his head. I mean, could not get it out. I did everything I could. I got on top of him with a butcher knife. Could not get that BB out before mom and daddy came home. It was about 30 years, no, probably about 25 years later when I wrote my book. I think it was just one more nap. I wrote that book, and in there I wrote that story in there. And my mom, I dedicated it to my mom. I mean, I dedicated it to my mom. I thought she'd be proud. I let her have that book. She came in to me, red faced, looked at me, and she said, You lied to me. You told me that I ricocheted off a tree. And I looked at her and go, Mom, surely you didn't believe that. How could you believe that? And don't get mad at me now, I'm a grown man. But you know, no matter how stupid we are, love, love true love never fails. And so... And then he says they're saints, not some honorary title or some exceptionally holy person, simply those saints of God saved by grace. When you're saved by grace, you're a saint of God. But here's what I love. I want you to look at it again. It says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, that's incredible, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace. Look at this, and peace from God. Peace From God you know if you truly know that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven saved by grace and you know that God loves you unconditionally that gives you peace peace in any situation that's incredible Peace. that's why it says in Romans and we are gonna get to it eventually but Romans chapter 5 verse 1 it says this therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God peace. now watch this God made it so clear I've told us so many people there was a, uh, a lady oh well I was out uh, with a tour group and I had uh, some boys and took them out so one and they were, we were knocking on doors and, and I was just kind of going along and, and I came Came to a door and I was walking away from that door and I saw almost immediately that one of my boys he was in trouble. He was at a door and there was this woman she was letting him have it. And so I walked on up there and I just uh, as soon as I got there he just stepped to the side. It's like you can have her, you know. Just and so I walked on up there to him and uh, and I said, uh, well, excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry if we bothered you, but but uh, you know we just wanted to invite you to our service tonight. She said, I have a church. And I said, well, okay, what's your church? She said, I go to such and such Church of Christ. And I said, okay. My wife, when I started dating her, she was Church of Christ. I said, I know a little bit about Church of Christ. And she said, uh, well, I know a little bit about Baptists too. And I said, well, good. <laughs> and she said, I know what you're going to say. You're going to ask me if, I, if I'm 100% sure I'm going to heaven. And I said, no, I'm not going to ask you that she said you are too and she said you're gonna go through your Romans Road and and she said and I said no ma'am I'm not gonna do that she said then what are you gonna ask me I said ma'am one question I want you to be completely honest and then I'll walk away when you put your head on your pillow every night do you truly have peace with God I mean Are you at peace knowing that if you died that very night, do you really have peace? She sat there and stared at me, and then her eyes welled up in tears. And I looked at her and I said, you don't have peace, do you? And she couldn't even speak. said, you don't have peace because every day of your life you're still trying to make sure you've done good enough. And there's no peace there. Now it didn't always happen this way, but that day I got to lead that lady to Christ, to a, to salvation by grace. And you know it's amazing how the countenance changes when they have peace. And being justified by faith is the only way you can have peace. Nothing else gives you peace because nothing else is absolute. Everything else is how much, how many, how often, have I done enough? There's no peace there. Now, verse 8. Verse 8. He says, first, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Boy, this introduction is incredible. Um, I thank God. First of all, this is one of the most subtle but vital verses in Romans, I believe. Notice that Paul thanked God for them, so that's very vital, that we ought to be thankful. And you know, the truth is, when we pray on Wednesday night, one of the key things we need to have a reminder of this, we need to just thank God while we're praying for each other. Thank God that we have a church to come to. Thank God that we, you know, everywhere. So many people say the same thing about this church. And don't lose it. They say it's the most loving group of people I've ever been around. Well, let me tell you, uh, we need to be, we will keep that if we thank God for everybody that's here. Thank God for everybody who walks through the door. Thank God for everybody that, that shows up here. And that's what, what, what Paul is saying. He says, I, I, I'm going to thank God for you, every one of you. I thank God for every one of you. And we should be thankful for each other. And every Christian living for Christ is spreading the gospel. But notice the word uses here. This is so important. Paul does not say, I thank God for your work or thank God for your giving, or thank God for your holiness, or thank God for your kindness, or thank God for your separation for the world. He doesn't say that I thank God for all those things. He doesn't say that I thank God or that the world is telling me or I hear about these things in your life. Look what it says now, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Doesn't say that your work is spoken of. It doesn't say that your, your lifestyle is spoken of or your holiness or your separation. It doesn't say that your giving is spoken of. It says your faith. Now, understand me now. He said, I thank God for your faith, which is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, understand this. Faith, to be faith that's seeable, would have work in it. You understand? He didn't say, I thank God for your work or I, I, that your work has been heard of all over Memphis. He didn't say that. He said, your faith has been recognized. But now, understand, in faith, there's going to be some work. If people are going to see your faith, that means we've got to work for this community. If he, There's going to be giving involved in faith. There's going to be holiness and separation and kindness and goodness But the faith, listen, this is the difference, and this is why he said the faith. The faith was more than the acts themselves. It was something in the depth of their hearts. He said, I saw your faith. The people of the world speak of your faith. Watch this. They saw it was real in their hearts. That was by their actions. That was by their giving. That was by their attitude. That was by their smile. Smile. It was by their countenance. It was by a lot of things. But the things wasn't what people talked about. It was the faith. And that faith, I believe what they said, their faith is real. It's real. It's real. You know, we, we go out visiting every Saturday to school year. You know, we go on Wednesday and then go on Saturday and we go out knocking on doors and do all that. And, but I, when I first came here, I preached the message and continue to remind you of it, that really this whole thing comes down to pray ye, therefore the Lord of the harvest. And he will send forth laborers. I don't know if you have noticed this, but we've had people coming. More and more people coming. More and more people wanting to get involved. More and more people wanting to work. You know what that is? The Lord of the harvest. This community, as this place grows, they will understand, yes, we run the buses, and yes, we give out food and have a food bank, and and yes, we we try to keep the place clean and neat and and look good, and yes, we we try to serve the community, but what I want them to see is that there is a real God in this place. It was real in their hearts, and that which is real in the heart will be revealed in life. Watch this now it was real in our hearts and that which is real in the heart will be re- revealed in the life but that which is sometimes demonstrated in life may not be real in the heart and that's what we have to be careful of and that's something that i i, I really do not want I, i'm not looking for conformity i'm looking for heart the holy spirit of god to change hearts and, there's, and I'll be honest with you, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, there will be some things that change in your life. I preached that the other day, action, reaction. Anybody remember? You know, I know it's been a long time, maybe a week. Okay. All right. But that which sometimes demonstrated in life may not be real in the heart. True faith is revealed in the heart and actions in our spirit and in truth, in the truth that we believe. Then you go, ah, oh, wow, my time's about up. I'm, 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 I'm looking like I'm doing like four verses a night here. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. Verse 9, in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I may mention of you always in my prayers. Paul was not only thankful for them, he prayed for them. And he makes it clear that this was not smooth-talking, by the way he, God allows him to write this is, he says, for God is my witness. Witness what? He said, this God whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, God is my witness that without ceasing I pray for you. What he's saying is, he, he said, this is not a, a, a little cliche, I'll pray for you, brother. He says, "God knows the truth, and the truth is, is that I sincerely pray for you." And again, that would change this. This church always, we'd be on the right, and we never did turn the lights back up, did we? Are y'all in the dark? Am I in the dark? Are oh, you not getting to see how pretty I am tonight? The. Uh, one of the reasons uh in, in and i would challenge you make it a habit and i don't do it perfectly and i try but one of the reasons that i i try to stop or immediately pray for someone when they say will you pray for me a lot of times i'll try to stop right there if it won't embarrass them i'll say well, let's pray right now but they don't know this but whether it's through the internet where somebody says you know, I need your prayer, and I write back and said, I'm praying, that means right now, I'm praying right now. Because, you know, we're, it's just too easy to say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, and walk away, and we forget it. But Paul said, I prayed for you unceasingly. I, I just continued to pray for you. That's why, you know, a, a prayer list is a good thing if we got a bad memory, you know. But but also, I think if we we really care enough, then the Holy Spirit will bring people and their needs and their heart and their things to, to our minds. And so I actually was going to go further tonight, but it's, uh, it's already eight o'clock, but I, I don't want to go. Well, yeah, I will. Y'all don't mind a couple more minutes, do you? You're asleep anyway, so it doesn't matter. It just means a longer nap. Um, look at verse 10. He says, making requests if by any means now at length uh, I might have a, prop, a proper journey uh, by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul longs for companionship and fellowship. And that's what God tells us in Hebrews 10, 25. That we're to not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, And as the day gets worse and worse, we need to get together more and more. But it's not just so that we, again, get brownie points with God. Hopefully, before you walk out of here, you'll be more encouraged. Hopefully, before you leave out of here, somebody has blessed you. And been kind to you and encouraged you and exhorted you and inspired you. hopefully it's that, that way. I, I will get really, really worried about this church. We've been to a bunch of churches. I don't know how many uh, I don't, I've never kept totals of them, but, but uh, we've been to a whole lot of churches all over this nation. and when, when you know the, the last prayer is made, if, if honestly, you get kind of run over at the door because people are getting out the door uh then i worry about that church because really they're missing one of the great purposes of coming to church is to study the word of god yes it is is it to sing and be uplifted yes it is but one of the great things that we're supposed to do and paul said I, he said he needed it he needed that camaraderie he needed that companionship he needed that fellowship amen, amen. he needed that and we need that and so But, and he says, uh, Paul longs for companionship, fellowship, and desire to teach and impart truth that would established. Notice what it says is, I made a proper journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. What's the end? Now, why, why is it so important? To the end, you may be established. That word established means you'll stand, you'll last, you'll make it. And he said, I'm so concerned about you. He said, I want to get to you. Now, I don't believe that Paul was coming to, to, to you know start slapping everybody in the head and you know this because uh, he says some spiritual gift. I don't think he was coming to say, okay, uh, bam, you're going to speak in tongues and bam, you're going to interpret and bam, you're going to be a, a gift of healing you know, that, I don't think that's what he was doing. I think that he was coming and he was going to teach the people he said, I want to get to you so I can teach you about the gifts that God has given because you don't even know the gifts that God has given you So I can impart, so I can teach you. Because if you know God loves you, if you know it's the grace of God, if you know you have peace with God, watch this. You can be incredibly blessed if you know the gifts God's given you. Do you know some people in here, even tonight, you really don't know the spiritual gift that God has given you. And once you know it, it is a joy to have it. Now, you say, well, you're going to give it to me? No, you already got it. it. You just need to know it. 1 Corinthians, I'll be done here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 says, For to one is given by the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the work to, working of miracles. To, a, to another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Watch this, watch this, don't be worried about tongues. Divers, that means multitudes. If, there's, if it's just one heavenly language, how, how come they're gonna get multitudes of languages? He says, but all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit divided to every man severally as he will. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth with diligence he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness god says there's all kinds of spiritual gifts and some of us are the eye gift some of us are the ear gift some of us are the feet gift you know i mean some of us are the mind gift uh, look god has blessed us and we're not in in God says, "What if, if everybody was just an eye, that looked pretty weird. If we didn't have arms, legs, and just had a big old eyeball, and that's kind of where we're getting to, you know, I mean, really, if there's evolution going on right now, technology-wise, you just need a big eyeball and two thumbs. <laughs> but God said, you know, that everybody's created and he said, I love you so much, and through my grace, I got a gift for you. And this is something that you can use for me if you understand it. Don't let it waste. And that's what Paul said, boy, I'm gonna lay your foundation when I come there because I got so much to teach you about your gifts. And one day, we're gonna go through, I think you'll probably study it most of the church, but some of you are new here, so we're gonna go back through that again. Uh, about spiritual gifts. And so that's uh, Romans. And I took a little bit longer than I I really anticipated. But I'm kind of changing the procedure. And and, uh, I mean, look, if you want to pray some more,